Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, Quality Living uh, with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. And we thank you for joining us, um, you know, Friday evenings, if you listen to radio, 10 p.m. on WQCS. And then, of course, on uh, the podcasts. Um, and uh, that's always easy because you can do that anywhere in multiple times. And... Um, as you know, we have guests every time, and um, they make the show. And this is about health and wellness and well-being, and a lot of times I like to do environmental because that, that affects all of us. And it's something that, um, you know, when it comes to the oceans and waters, uh, I love fishing. I love taking my kids out there. And a few years ago, the fit really hit the shan when... Um, the waters got ultra polluted and the the algae blooms were rampant and we couldn't even breathe and uh if you were close to any any uh, bodies of water you could walk out and your coffin and your throat's closing up and forget going in the water and forget fishing and grass was dying and it looked like the end of the world for those of us that really consider the ocean and the waters the end all and be all to paradise and heaven on earth. Um, so I've got on, on, on the line with us uh, Captain uh, Chris Whitman uh, from Captains for Clean Water. Uh, a, they're not only advocates, but they're making a difference and they are truly at the forefront of, of all the ch- a lot of the changes being made in our society and in this current culture of global earth neglect. Um, so thank you for joining us, Captain, and we really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Um, so let's talk about a few years ago when, you know, the algae blooms and the runoff and all of these things kind of culminated into a situation that was so dire that it literally almost shut down the state of Florida, <laughs> you know, as far as water and all that's concerned. Yeah, you know, coming into, well, I'd back it up even even to like 2016 when we saw some of the precursors that we had seen in years past um, as a result of our water management in Florida and specifically the management of Lake Okeechobee and ultimately the effect of that management to the East Coast, the West Coast, and, and also uh, very importantly to the southern part of the state and the Everglades and Florida Bay National Park and uh, and drinking water supply for you know, over 9 million Floridians, we had seen uh, these impacts throughout my life. And in 2016 was was kind of a, where, where we saw them get worse. And fast forward from there, that was kind of the, the light bulb where a lot of people started really paying attention um, and getting more involved in, in why this was happening. 
fast forward from there to 2018, and that was the catalyst that I think has started um, or that did start the change in the progress that we are seeing today. Um, 2018, to kind of paint the picture for you, there was a red tide bloom off the west coast of Florida in the Gulf, and there was a massive cyanobacteria, blue-green algae bloom on Lake Okeechobee, and the Army Corps and the water management uh, started dumping the lake uh, in the kind of, we had a wet spring and they were, they started dumping that lake to the east and west coast. And with those discharges came that blue green algae and very, very high nutrient polluted water from Lake Okeechobee. And when that water on the Gulf coast came in contact with those red tide blooms, it basically supercharged them. And what we witnessed was environmental collapse, um, li- literally collapse from fresh water to salt water. Every, everything from little tiny, you know, benthic life that lives down in the grass and the bottom and little eels and bait fish and stuff like that, all the way up to, you know, apex predators, dolphins, uh, sea turtles, manatees. We had a 27 foot whale shark wash up on the beach. Mm. It was. Jeez. It was environmental collapse, and, yeah. um, and and I think that was the real writing on the wall, that if something didn't change and change drastically, that we were on a, a, a trajectory for for not only environmental collapse, but economic collapse, because, you know, as, as we know here in Florida, our waters are what drive our economy, and without Ooh. healthy, clean waters, our economy will suffer, and then our way of life will suffer. Now, it's unfortunate, but until the 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 money factor um, and the effect of the pockets of those people in power start to get affected, they really don't pay attention to the environment or to these needs. So let's talk about that money. Let's talk about the billions of revenue that is derived from the waters, the clean waters, and the industry that's related to the waters in Florida. Yeah, you know, the Florida is largely today is a, is a tourism-based economy, and um, you know, well over a hundred billion dollars a year um, generated by tourism in Florida. And, wait, wait, and wait, wait. Let's back up. How much? Well over a hundred billion. That's a hundred billion a year. Yes doesn't take much longer for that to become a trillion and trillions being lost over the course of of a decade. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, as we know, people, people come here, um, you know, not just for Mickey Mouse and theme parks, they come here because of our resources, because of our waters. We have, you know, the Everglades National Park, the second largest national park in the United States. Absolutely. um, Right here in our, in our backyard and, and places um, all around, you know, we are, we're surrounded on three sides by water and, and that's the main driver, um, th- that brings people here. But on top of that, it's, it's the, it's the driver of why those of us who live here, of why we live here. It's right. the center of our way of life. It's and, why we, yeah, and, it's why we bring our family, you know, my, my kids, as soon as they can exactly. walk, they got a rod in their hand, right? So, exactly. um, they're fishing now. Now yep. here's the thing. We've got, 
you know, it, 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 people think, oh, well, there's so much water. And, and what about the Keys? I was down in Isla Mirada fishing for permit and bonefish and all that, and I saw even grass that had been affected down there. Absolutely. So the the water historically that would flow from the Kissimmee Basin into Lake Okeechobee and ultimately from Lake Okeechobee would flow south through what's called the River of Grass and, and ultimately would end up um, all the way down in the southern part of the Everglades and, and Florida Bay. And that water would balance salinities in Florida Bay, which is a massive shallow basin or series of basins, kind of like an ice cube tray. And without that fresh water flowing down there, those levels, uh, the, 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 the salinity levels there get much too high. And so what has happened through this manipulated system is the water that should be flowing to Florida Bay to balance the salinities down there is the same water that ultimately gets discharged to the east and west coast and destroys our estuaries, not only by the nutrients, but, but also just the volume of freshwater. So we, our, our estuaries become way too fresh, and Florida Bay becomes way too salty. And, and the result is the same. You know, we've lost thousands and thousands of acres of seagrass and oysters and habitat. In 2015, Florida Bay lost over 40,000 acres of seagrass because of hypersaline conditions. And, you know, that's a collapse of towns built around oysters, right? These are families for generations that had made a living on, you know, cultivating and selling oysters that just gone, overnight, done. Nothing to do, can't support your family, don't know how you're going to live, how you're going to, you know, eat. Yeah, well, and, and even more so than the aquaculture part of, of that driver is the towns that have been built on those estuaries because of people experiencing them. The sport fishing industry in the Keys and Isle Morata, like you were talking about, um, that's hands down the largest driver to to that economy. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean by far, and very similar on the east and west coast. So without those fisheries functioning and being healthy, um, you you don't get people you know, down here, staying in our hotels, right. eating at our restaurants, and, uh, and, and, and spending money into our economy. And, and not only, up. and that's not just money from here. That's not just American money. That's not just from people, oh, we're in the Midwest and we want to go to the East Coast. No, this is Japan. You know, people from all over the world flock oh, yeah. and fly and spend tens of thousands of dollars to just come there and say they caught a bonefish or a permit, you know, people Absolutely. that can't even, you know, that don't go anywhere else. They, they want to do that. Like that's on their bucket list. That's a huge activity and they will spend, and then they come and then they learn and then they come back. Right. And so, yep. yeah, it's, it's, it's a global destination that is, and I wonder sometimes if the people know what's going on. And, 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 you know, these are CEOs and, and high-level officials and sometimes royalty there coming <laughs> to do this fishing. So. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that's a big part of the movement to save these places and to fix our water is yeah. to make those people aware yeah. of what's going on and to make them aware that there is a solution and it just requires some, some will and tenacity uh, to get there. Yeah.
and you know I love watching shows like uh, you know Florida Sportsman uh, Waterman Show, and they do a mm-hmm. lot of uh, you know mentioning of all this. It's ingrained in actually every show. I'm talking about that, and I, I think every show that does that and every form of media that, that gives attention to this is you know I applaud I applaud them you know. Absolutely. Um, it's essential. Now, let's talk about, you know, we're talking about the, the global attraction, but can we touch a little bit on how our wars and what happens to the Everglades and how our ecosystem affects the global ecos- ecosystem? You know, because I don't think people realize that, that it's not just Florida. It's that Florida's ecosystem affects the whole, all the waters. Absolutely. So um, a couple of ways there. One the Everglades, um, Florida Bay, are one of the largest nursery um, habitats in the U.S. That, that is, you know, it's, it's where all these other fish that, that other parts of the country depend on. Take tarpon, for example. The, the juvenile tarpon depend on the Everglades, and those tarpon are, are something that drives sport fisheries around the entire Gulf of Mexico, right. down into the Caribbean, and, right. and all the way up the eastern seaboard. Um, but on top of that, environmentally, the Everglades is the largest seagrass meadow of its kind in North America, and it is um, a massive carbon sink. Right. Seagrass can sequester as much carbon acre per acre as, as an acre of rainforest, hmm. and and you look at the interior of the Everglades itself, um, that when, when the Everglades and the, the river of grass, when that, when that system is hydrated, it is a massive carbon sink as well. When that system is allowed to unnaturally dry out because water is being held back in the system for irrigation and water supply, that then starts to release carbon and, um, so it's it's a pretty major swing on exactly, you know, the impacts that the Everglades system and the waters within it, um, the habitats within it have, uh, not just here locally in South Florida, but, but globally, for sure. Now, fast forward, we've got a Senate Bill 2508. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I I think in order to understand the the impact that that Senate Bill 2508 could have had, you have to look at the progress that has been made um, as a result of people getting involved and and understanding these problems and advocating for solutions. And over the past, you know, four or five years, there has been significant uh, progress made. Um, Governor DeSantis, when he came into office, he announced that he would make uh, the Everglades and water quality a, a priority of his. And, um, you know, the progress that's been made in the last four years as a result of people being involved in, in, in advocating for that, saying, look, our waters are important to our economy, and so it's important to invest money in these solutions. And um, those solutions, many of them fall on the side of water management, where we send water when and, and why and how. And the other fall in the side of infrastructure, so restoration projects that will help to clean and store water and and send it back south to the Everglades where it's needed. A lot of that progress um, 
was was you know kind of fought the status quo was was pushed for by the industrial sugar industry to keep it the way it is to keep the water management the way it is because quite honestly that system works works great for that industrial sugar industry but it doesn't work great for the rest of florida and florida's ecosystems and so over the past four years or so um many of these management uh kind of opportunities with the water resources development act in dc or the uh, LOSUM, the lake okeechobee system operating manual that the army corps is working on there was attempts to you know sway those or or push those to favor water supply. And those attempts were unsuccessful. And the governor had made a priority um, to fund and build the EAA reservoir, which is like the cornerstone project within Everglades Restoration that will take Lake Okeechobee's polluted water, will take it into this massive reservoir, will store it, and will clean it through a man-made filter marsh called an STA. And then we'll deliver that water south to the Everglades and ultimately Florida Bay in the dry season. Um, this Senate bill was filed uh, as a conforming bill to the budget late in session this year. And what, in essence, it did was it had language in there that would have tried to prioritize water supply. Same thing that was similar language that was attempted uh, in the uh, WARDA and, and, and LOSOM um, kind of processes. And then it, uh, it would uh, kind of handcuff the water management district, which is the state agency um, tasked with restoring the Everglades. It would kind of handcuff them for their rulemaking decisions that they would have to get approval by the legislature, you know, in, or before implementing rules that they saw beneficial to Everglades restoration. And then the third was it made um, dedicated funds for that cornerstone project, the EAA Reservoir, it made those dedicated funds available to other projects. So in essence, it could stall that project by spending the money on other projects that don't have the same ROI to the system. And so it was a real threat to the progress that was made. And uh, we recognized it. People recognized it. And I think this is a, a testament to how people are paying attention today much more than they than they were in the past. Um they recognized it, and there was there was a huge campaign to to kill that bill. And ultimately, you know, hundreds of fishermen traveled to Tallahassee. Business owners, uh, the fishing industry, you know, big companies like like AFCO that's all the way out in California, or or uh, you know, Costa Sunglasses that's here in Florida. That these companies weighed in, and uh, and and ultimately, that bill was first amended down, and then. Just a few weeks ago, uh, Governor DeSantis uh, had a had a press conference here in Southwest Florida where he announced he had vetoed that bill. Beautiful. Well, you know, I, I love that. You know, the the names you mentioned, all the people getting together and the support, and people are waking up. It's great to see this. You know, it's it's. You, people ask me, you know, what what do you think it is? Do you think it's too late? Do you think it's too late for us to make a change? And I, I say it's never too late as long as we're still around and we're still breathing. And, you know, I, I know it felt like it was too late when we had all those algae blooms. I remember waking up that Saturday morning or whatever it was, and um, we planned to go out early. And we got there and we couldn't breathe. And we're like, what's going on? I thought it was the end of the world. 
well, you know, mm-hmm. here we are. It wasn't because we made a difference. People like you made a difference. And and I want to thank you. Um, you know, I do want to touch on the algae blooms a little bit because there was so much ignorance to, oh, this is what happens every, you know, so often. And, and this is just normal. And, and there was, there was nothing normal about it. It was, it was more, it was something else. It was different and it, and it was worse. And, and can you just, can we talk a little bit about that and how, um, you know, the cycles of things are one thing, but when we start to see the cycles change, there are warning signs that, yeah, we're, there's some man-made um, aspects to that. Sure. Yeah, and, and part of that, you know, it's unfortunate, but part part of that um, is is a result of misinformation that's put out that, you know, special interests do not, if, if you don't want that system changed and right. you want Lake Oaks to be treated as a reservoir right. instead of a natural lake, um, you want water held back in the dry time. And, and, and the result of that is, uh, you know, a, a too high of a lake in, in the wet season. And, and that's counter to what the environment needs. And so the algae blooms, when we looked at 2016, I remember, uh, U.S. Sugar specifically came to Fort Myers, you know, 80 miles from where they're located to hold a closed door press conference um, that I was able to get into. And, you know, their whole thing was, oh, the, the water comes from the north. We need to stop the water, you know, before it comes into the lake. And uh, and that red tide is natural. This is something that's happened for thousands of years, and it's not a result of these discharges. And I think the wording there is very crafty. You know, those discharges don't start the red tide. And red tide, for any brevis organism, might be a natural organism. But if you take those polluted, nutrient-rich waters from Okeechobee, hold them back to a point where they have to be discharged, and you dump those into those estuaries where that Corinia brevis is uh, active, it fuels them to unnatural proportions. And it's, it's no different than saying that wildfires are natural started by lightning. But if you are all of a sudden dumping, you know, jet fuel on them, they become unnatural real quickly. And that's in essence what was happening with those red tide blooms. And I think there was a lot of misinformation put out there um, to try to, to keep the public or these communities from, from engaging if, if you don't if you can't say look here's an issue here's how we need to tackle it you're likely just not to, to engage on it and and recently um now we we have proof that that those discharges from okeechobee do in fact fuel those red tide blooms and did fuel those red tide blooms in 2018 um they there were scientists from university of florida that just released a study that they tracked the nitrogen isotopes in the red tide blooms as far north as Boca Grande, so many, many miles away from the mouth of the Caloosahatchee River. And those nitrogen isotopes have the same signature as the one samples taken from Okeechobee. So in essence, it's like a DNA test that say the red tide in Boca Grande is feeding on nitrogen that came from Lake Okeechobee. Hmm. And so established a very direct connection that that, uh, you know, for a long time was, was tried to, you know, tr- tried to sway to say this is, these are natural occurrences that, that you know, aren't a result of this mismanagement. And, 
I think now we see very clearly, at least we have the proof to see what many of many of us already knew, um, that, that that's actually not the fact. Right. So how do we support captains for clean water? You know, what are I some think, things that people can do to get keep keep this sure. moving in the right direction? So there's many ways to support this movement or our organization um, specifically. Um, one is to educate yourself. The, the best advocates that we have are the ones that understand the problem and understand the solutions. And if you understand something, you're more likely to be able to advocate for that change. Um, to your friends, to get other people involved. And that's really the core of Captains for Clean Water. We're a grassroots organization that simply um, provides a, an outlet for people to make their voice heard to get involved. And, and that involvement and those voices are what have been the missing link to affect change. And so the biggest thing you can do is, you know, go on our website, spend some time. We have a ton of resources uh, from videos to blogs on the problem and solution. And then there's ways to plug in, whether it's call to actions, whether it's become a member, um, getting other people um, to, to understand these problems using uh, different platforms that you have, like, like yourself here with, with your show. Everybody has different ways that they can reach their sphere of influence or their peers with that knowledge that they've gained. And, and with that, it grows that army of people that will continue to fight for progress to save our waters and save the Everglades. Beautiful. And just share with, uh, with us the, uh, the Captains for Clean Water uh, website and social media handles, please. Sure. Yes. It's, it's captainsforcleanwater.org. Uh, is our website and then our we're on facebook captains for clean water instagram at captains for clean water and tiktok and twitter as well this has been really educational really inspiring and so necessary and i hope people realize all over the world that you know this is this deserves attention this deserves our love this deserves our support um thank you captain chris whitman for all that you've done and continue to do so valuable so important and i hope our kids you know and their kids kids will be around to see uh, restored waters and, and flats and keep catching up them tarpon and redfish and snook and bonefish <laughs> and permit and all the good stuff right crystal absolutely. clear water absolutely. beautiful green absolutely. grass yeah that's our prayer this has been another maximum health radio brought to you in part by vel health which is now an app you can download uh wellness within reach vel health on all platforms Till next time this is maximum health radio quality living with yours truly dr ken gray see you next time